Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words, the tender trembling moment starts. We're in a world of our own. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. We have so many great things to talk about, so many uh, accolades that we're being a part of and major shows, and we can't wait to tell you about it. And I want to introduce our lady first because I'm a gentleman. My grandmother we taught me right. How are you, my darling? Hi. Hello, everybody. So happy to be with you guys. It is my highlight. I know I say it every time, but I'm thrilled to be spending time with you. Well, we likewise. And obviously, our friend and compadre, Michael Ryder, and good friend, Patrick Picciarelli. Good evening, everybody. So talk about what we're doing. We have so all of us have so many things. All right. Well, uh, we have a very interesting show tonight about the most famous guy in Vegas you never heard of, but we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. Uh, we have to make a few announcements. Uh, first, we've been getting a lot of emails about the book, The Sixth Family. Where is it? Good question. We have addressed this before, but for those of you who just joined in and don't know what's going on, uh, at the, at the uh, request of a potential, let's call him business partner, uh, we have pulled the book temporarily uh, because we're working on a big deal. This has been going on. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we're almost uh, into it about two months already. Uh, and the book will be back, uh, but it's it, it's got to stay uh, out of the, the reach of customers now until we do what we have to do. I realize that's a little cryptic. In fact, I don't understand what I just said. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let, me, let, me, let me give them the street talk. A major publishing company that does genre like we do gave us an offer we can't refuse, and we're well, negotiating that offer. <laughs> but we we have to wait. So that's uh, that that said, the audio book is still available. Uh, so if you uh, if that's the route you want to go, the audio book is still on Amazon and uh, available for purchase. Okay, now, John, you had uh, something you wanted to say. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, express our thanks, all of us, because we just got a Christmas present from Patrick Bet David, his new book, and he wants us to read it, and he wants to come back on the show. And he was so generous to us when we first started, as you know, Pat, with oh, yeah. the book. I mean, it was amazing. And for you who don't know Patrick Bet David, you should listen to his show daily. I mean, his following is amazing. He's a business brain, but this is his new Choose Your Enemies Wisely, which I've been doing that for years. And yes. they still show up. I can't, I can't get rid of these enemies. But anyway. <laughs> well, the, know, more um, you get, the more famous you get, you have to have your share of enemies. We all do. That's right. Uh, but least, anyway, Patrick. At least Patrick, you're being thought Patrick, of, right? Patrick that David gave this show a, a nice kickstart. Oh, yeah. When we like, started the podcast almost five years ago. And the, and the book, really so. And the book, absolutely the book. Yes, uh, the first book, Hollywood Godfather. So we thank uh, you, anyway. Patrick, and we'll definitely read the book, and we'll make arrangements for you to be back with us. Fortunately, yeah. 
Uh, when does that book drop, or has it already dropped? It's dropped. It's dropped. But I okay. thought it was very nice that he sent me a, a signed copy, and yeah, a good friend. Well, yeah, he, get, uh, I know he kicked you guys off, but he really was one of my favorite episodes that you had. You know, he got such great energy, and he had to bring you know his taste to the to interviewing and being with you guys. And I thought he he did a great job of giving you guys a push start. And I I think he's great. I look forward to meeting him and having him back on the show because I think he brings a lot of a lot of energy to to the room. Everything, everything he does. Okay, then. Uh, anything else uh, for new business, or shall we begin? Well, let's talk about. I want to talk about the show today, and then we'll add to it something. We'll do that in the show, then. Okay, yeah, please. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a person by the name of AJ Pratt, who was a big deal in a lot of circles, and which we'll get into. This is going to be a two part show. Uh, AJ Pratt, to summarize his life, started out. Uh, very humble uh, origins. He grew up dirt poor in uh, Arkansas and uh, made his way through Vegas. Uh, he had a, a particular skill. We'll get into that in a minute. He wound up being also one of the biggest drug dealers uh, in Vegas and elsewhere. Uh, and uh, and I went and I don't mean big locally. I mean big nationally. He was huge. Uh, you know, we once talked about this. Uh, uh, it, it, it's my theory, for what it's worth that everybody has a talent. And I'm not talking about this guy's uh, uh, drug dealing experience. I'm talking about a, a viable talent that I think everybody has, but you just have to discover it. Like with you, Gianni, it's acting, and you're a, you're a hell of an entrepreneur. Uh, with me, it was writing. Uh, Jeannie, we don't know you well enough yet. Uh, but perhaps you can you can she's add to keeping, that. She's keeping all those virtues to herself. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> in, about in Utah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> That's we'll talk right. about that some other time. Uh, but uh, tonight is AJ. Anyway, uh, uh, AJ Pratt's talent was tailoring, uh, and that's not uh, we're talking about uh, altering clothes. He created clothes. He created fashion, and he discovered this talent when he was eight years old. He, uh, he just decided that he liked clothes and he, he gathered scraps and started sewing shirts for himself. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing, as you know, we're, we're doing a four-part, I'm part of a four-part documentary on AMC, and we were filming today all day, actually. And uh, it's, it's interesting what you're, you're saying, and I, I really got into his head and, and the people and the publisher He's coming on the show. He was so enamored to meet me today of the book. We would been trying to get in touch with him. I thought he was in the witness protection program because we couldn't get his phone number. And he's written 40 books. Oh, are uh, you talking about the, the writer or the, the publisher? Writer, the writer. Oh, you found him? Uh, yeah, I found him. I met oh. him today. <laughs> he was on the set. But, you know, he gave it a different twist, which while we're in the beginning of the kid, AJ as a boy, eight years old, he, he became, he found his grandmother's sewing machine and he had no toys and he started a natural, like we all have a natural art in, within us or a trait or a, a craft. And he discovered he liked clothes at eight years old. He started making shirts out of flower bags and that's what he was wearing around the house. But it was incredible for a young kid 
He said he watched it. Was it his mom and his grandma? His grandma. Um, his grandma. Yeah. His grandmother gave him more lessons than anything, and that's yeah. what he just. But that's how he started his career. When you think about, and, 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 and you know, and these were well tailored shirts. This wasn't a flower sack that he made a hole in and put it over his head. And yeah, right. well tailored shirts with sleeves and collars and everything else at eight years old, and uh, I mean, that 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 was amazing. Uh, and you, you have to uh, consider also the area and the times he lived in. If you're an eight year old boy who decides that fashion is going to be his future, that didn't sit very well. Uh, with his family, they, uh, they 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 thought he was gay, which he wasn't, as you'll see as we get on with the. He had, no. he had seven <laughs> wives, just so you he know. Was the opposite of gay, <laughs> if there's such a thing. Uh, but uh, he started doing that, and uh, he he knew he couldn't stay in a in a small town in, in Arkansas for the rest of his life. So he decided to take off uh, when he was young. I think he was sixteen, and he basically hit the road. Now here's something else that was curious. His life, Gianni, parallels yours so closely. And uh, when, it, when his life starts out, he was on the road hitchhiking. And he met his mentor, like you met yours, Frank Costello, selling right. pens when you were, were 13 years old on the street. He was hitchhiking, and he was somewhere in Arizona with, when this car pulls over and picks him up. And it was John Houston. Who was going out to uh, out to Hollywood? He was uh, John Houston was uh, in in his time. He's long passed away, but he made some of the most iconic movies in Hollywood, and I believe his last one was Chinatown, which is one of my favorites. He must have seen it thirty times. Right. I mean, he was an, an Academy Award winning producer, director, writer. He won Academy Award. Right. This guy won it all, and he picks up this kid uh, uh, on the road with his thumb out. Now, what are the odds of that happening to him and you at approximately the same age meeting Frank Costello? Right, right. Costello helped you and Houston helped him. He winds up getting, you know, it was a, 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 it was a fairly long ride from Arizona to, to, to Los Angeles. And that they got to know each other. And at the beginning, uh, AJ is saying, well, maybe this guy's some kind of a pedophile. <laughs> why, is he, why is he helping me like this? But he wasn't. He just wanted to help him out. And he well, said, "Look, I, I got to know John Houston, you know, and, and his daughter Angelica, and all that. And um, like you say, his accolades, his last big movie was Chinatown. But even prior to that, was The Misfits. Yeah, that was a major, major movie. And but we want to, we'll get into that part of it. Let's go through chronologically. But just to show you the magnitude of who John Houston was." I think if I got in that car too, I would think he's a pedophile. What's what's he doing? There? Yeah, you know, and and uh, uh, AJ didn't know who this guy was. He introduced himself. Hi, my name is John Houston. We're going to Hollywood, and I work in the movies. And AJ wasn't impressed. <laughs> you know, he just it's some guy works in the movies, okay. but he knew. But anyway, uh, during the uh, the uh, uh, trip, they had to spend a couple of uh, nights in, in hotels b before they they got to where they were going. But uh, he said, "Look, uh, would you be interested?" In, uh, uh, in in a job. So AJ said, well, yeah. And he, he hooks him up, literally, with a wealthy married woman, uh, very wealthy, lived in a big mansion, the whole thing, and she took him under her wing. She was married to a guy that was rarely home. He was, he was gay, and he would spend most of his time 
with his male friend somewhere, but he would stop by occasionally. But this woman, uh, who obviously was a, a lot older, taught AJ how to comport himself in society, how to speak well, how to serve uh, meals and drinks, how to, uh, you know, he learned uh, everything from her that he didn't learn in Arkansas, which is basically nothing. Right. Uh, they also wound up having a sexual relationship. Which was uh, even more interesting. She was into uh, s and I mean, Oh, like, she was into everything, this woman. And, and you know, uh, uh, well, well, we'll get into where we got a lot of this information from shortly, but uh, she paid him $500 a month. And uh, back then, this was in the, in the late 50s. This was a lot of money. Yeah. But after they started having a more intimate relationship, she buys him a brand new Corvette. Uh, and he, so he was tooling around with that. And she didn't care if he had his own girlfriends or whatever. But when she wanted him in, uh, in the house to meet her needs and to help her with parties, and that's what he would do. Uh, so uh, he, he wanted to leave to get married at one point. Now, he was there for quite a few years. He's about 20, right, Gianni? 20, 21, something like that. Yep. Yes. And he wants to get married. And this woman said, how can I talk you out of this? And he said, well, you really can't. I'm in love. And, you know, and said, I really want to do this. She offered him a million dollars cash not to get married. And, he, and she said, she says, I don't care what you do when you're here. You know, you have your free run. You have your girlfriend, do anything you want. But I'll have you here. If you're married, obviously, you're moving out. And he went back to his fiance. And he told her, and he said, uh, I turned it down. And he did. No, 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 he didn't at first. When he got home, he was in big trouble. So then he came back. Uh, because well, he, he had told her okay, and then he got home, and the fiancé yeah, was very upset. So he had to go back, and and, and he said, when, um, when he walked in, she knew and said, you can't do this, right? And yeah. and I thought that's a lot of money, especially back then. I'm sure he was kind of thinking, "All right, we can work this out for just a while." <laughs> it, yeah, but what I, kind of, what kind of trouble did he get in? Well, the the wife flipped out on him and said, "How dare you?" You know, she was shocked that he. Oh he yeah, did. right. So it, he had to go back and and say, "Okay, sorry, I'm not going to be able to do your deal," and which I could see how you'd be torn. You're like. Well, you're not going anywhere. We can have everything. It's just well, and a, she a million dollars. Like we're years. saying, I mean, you could think about a million dollars today as a great offer. Hello, right? But you know, yeah, back uh, I would think that if he was older and knew a little bit more about life, he would have taken the million dollars. The money. He, yeah, hello. he was young and in love, hello. right? And uh, and he wanted to get married. If this would have happened to him when he was in his thirties, right? Maybe he wouldn't have done that. And I would think probably not. I know I wouldn't have. I would have taken the money. <laughs> you know, uh, well, to hang around six months and then split, you know, have, have some kind of a plan. His plan was was to get married. So, uh, uh, Jeannie, you, you want to take it from here? Well, he, he married this gal. Her, her name was Linda Lou, and they were so in love and had this happy little life. Um, they ended up having a baby and and things were great. You know, he was happy with his decision. And I think he was it that when he went to be an ins insurance agent for a while, 
all the while, I, everywhere he would go, it, he would have a shirt on and everybody was so impressed with everything he wore all the time. So he must have had some pretty, pretty fancy stuff that he he made making, and wore around. Yeah, and that's how he started. I mean, yeah. I, I, I got to know AJ, which we'll get into the story, how I met him, but he could sell anything. So I can I could explain. I mean, I could understand that he went to insurance or anything because he was a, a people person. And yeah. they, and you loved them. But he always wore these exaggerated clothes and which you walked in the room, you didn't know whether this guy was a rock star and you didn't know why you didn't know him. <laughs> but he was somebody. <laughs> well, and, 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 and once again, that parallels to, to your life, not the way you dressed, I mean, but your 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 personality and you, you know, you're able to mingle, make friends, make contacts. This guy literally came from zero as you did. And he just had that magnetism about him. But anyway, Jeannie, go on. Well, you know, uh, I, I thought of that too, as I was listening to the book, I thought the one thing I that goes through my head every time I listen to something, I listen to you. And even when we had Mitchum on the show, and I'm thinking, as young men, you guys were scrappy, you were hardworking, you were out. I mean, you guys were fighting to survive, you know, exactly. uh, I was just going to say that it was for me and knowing AJ's it was all about survival and, and trying to improve ourselves. And we didn't have the tools or the wherewithal or the people the, who in, were interested in improving us. So when you right. find a person like she was, Costello with me, fortunately was a straight guy. There was no yeah. <laughs> yeah. S&M or anything, but it was, yeah. it's you, you try to take advice from when you know it, you need it. Oh, exactly. I just found it so impressive because I look again, I'll reference it again, but I look at some of these kids today and I'm thinking they wouldn't last a minute. We hurt their feelings and they need to go pet a puppy for a while, you know, but you guys. <laughs> well, I know when they said that when um, Trump was elected, they brought some puppies up to the college so kids could soothe themselves after it. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I think now, I think the sad thing about now, not to get too far off, is that kids think they should never have their feelings hurt or never be uncomfortable. And this guy was sitting out in the rain, you know, he said he was sitting there praying, oh, I've made a mistake. Look at me. I'm sitting in the middle of nowhere soaking wet when Houston pulled up. And I think, you know, uh, how lucky that. I don't know, whatever the higher power is, suck someone right in their path that that led them to some, just like with you, Gianni, some incredible, kind of like a fairy godmother, but a fairy, fairy godfather. I don't know. But <laughs> somebody that, that taught you a lot of great things. And But oh, yeah. I do believe they could have come along. And if you weren't who you were and, and AJ, they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have made it for who you are. It just happened to be a perfect pair of. So up. at this point, at this point, uh, AJ has a wife and a kid, and he's struggling. So what happens then? Well, he was, um, I believe that was the insurance company that he was working with. Right. And was that right? Yeah. With, and his, one of his um, co-workers had come by and had something wrong with his car. So AJ said, here, you swap with my wife for the day because she's going to drop the baby off somewhere and um, you take her car. 
So he did. And he said, as my wife pulled away, I told her, stay off of the freeway. Don't drive on the freeway. I don't know if it was an alignment problem or something. But then he went to work and got a phone call. And his wife had been in an accident. And he rushed to the hospital. And as he's trying to find his wife and son, he hears a doctor and a nurse in a hallway saying um, the little boy had passed away. Yeah. And, no. But his wife was was hard. there. And, and oh, what did he say? It was the day before 9-11. Is that right? No, 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 no. no. Sorry, no, no the day no. before John F. Kennedy was shot. Right, yeah. Right. Because they asked, do you know where you were? November 21st. No. Yes, he said, yes, I do. I was picking out a casket for my baby, and I could yeah. care less what was going on. But that's how I remember what, you know, that day was. It was the day before my life took a turn. So as, as often happens when a child dies, a marriage breaks up. Uh, that's, that, that, that isn't uncommon. Right. Which is what, which is what happened to him. And uh, he was alone. Well, he had no, a baby. No. No, no, the baby passed away. And then oh, the, wife, the wife, um, he said he scraped her. Um, they had another baby. Yeah. And she was coming out the door and scraped her arm on the door. And then got feeling kind of sick. And she ended up having a staph infection. And she ended up dying. I know. So I, here, to me, that was like, I thought that was, uh, uh, at that point, you would have to think maybe they're taking... Uh, literary licensing here and how do you get the staff from a scratch on the elbow right. from a screen yeah. door well, well screens that, are made out of metal metal rusts that's how you get blood poisoning but what are the odds yeah. of this happening that's what i'm right. saying a little scratch. tragedy so fast like that yeah so anyway right. uh, this uh linda lou was the love of his life even up to the for many many years i don't want to give the rest of the story away right. but uh she a couple of days later she starts getting a pain in her arm Fast forward, maybe a week or so. She didn't last very long. No, and, and she and she got uh, tetanus and she died. Yeah. So he loses his son and he loses his wife. Yeah. And he was. And, uh, and let's 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 uh, emphasize the fact that he was just trying to help this guy yeah. lend his <laughs> wife's car to him. And the right, this guy. that's exactly right. He just said, and. You know, the thing of it that uh, impressed upon me the most throughout this book was um, for the rest of his life, uh, he talked so often about he always felt like it was always like he was talking to her or thinking, boy, would she think this of me or would she think that? But he really struggled and had such a hard time. At that point, they had two children. Yeah. And so, so he winds up. Uh, he, he couldn't handle the kids, so he winds up giving the kids to his parents. No, his wife's parents, wasn't it? No, it was his parents his because parents, he yeah. offered to go and stay with him. And don't want to steal your show, but or, or your thing. But he got the offer to go to Las Vegas to work, and the mother said, "I do not want my grandkids being raised in a place called Sin City." So please, yeah. Listen. With me. Well, I tell you, this is this is a good place to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll be in Las Vegas. Woohoo! Whoa! Well, <laughs> we have to make some money, as I say every week. We know where you are. We'll come and get you. Don't go anywhere. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. I'm happy to say, Hollywood Godfather Rapography is now. 
playing on most platforms. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. Listen to Joel Ortiz, famous rapper and Arsenic the Heat record, multi-platinum producer for Sony. Produce this record, I'm proud of it. There's 12 tracks, you gotta listen to this. You never know who you're lying in a room with So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with The concrete in the bathroom floor It had a new tip stashed it behind the toilet In case I ever had to use it We are back with this unbelievable story And we're just starting <laughs> should, okay. we, should we tell them that it's a book? Somebody mentioned the book Yeah, that's what I, I, the I title. Say, this, this book, uh, the research was easy on this because uh, after Gianni told me about this four-part special, and you know, to just to regress a little, to get a four-part special, a, a four-part documentary, you you got to fill that up. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's 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 four hours of life story, and this guy, nobody ever heard of this guy, uh, and they still haven't, which is interesting to me. I know. I was on the set today shooting the first hour episode of this AMC documentary, and I'm still wondering. I talked to the people today. I said. How did you get this on? And they said, well, we wanted to do a feature. They wouldn't let us. They said, let's try this first. So that's what this documentary is now, to let the world get involved, buy the book, and then understand before they put millions and millions of dollars into this movie. But okay. everybody is caught up with the story. It's such okay, a so we're, we're, story. So we're obviously the first kids on the block to help this documentary along. Exactly. Uh, the book is called The Tailor. And uh, something, I, it, I tell you, it was a gripping book. I mean, and it, it uh, reminded me a lot of our book, Gianni. Well, you know, and I, I heard that again. I hate to keep saying the same thing, but all day long, the producers of the show and all that, they said, we have now, when your name came up in the pictures of AJ and I in the 70s and all that, they went and bought my book. Yeah. And they kept referencing back and forth. They called it. They called the writer of this book, his book, and said, "Did you know Johnny Russo?" He said, "No." <laughs> yeah, and that was surprising too, because the, the name of the book is called, as I said, "The Tailor." It's available on on Amazon. And a couple of things surprised me with this book, uh, aside from the fact that it was well written, which is what I expected, because the author is his name is Mana, M A N N A. I forgot his first name. Do you remember his first name, Johnny? The or something like when I asked. I, I, well, no, I don't, anyway, you can you just go just go to Amazon and put in the, the Taylor by uh, AJ Pratt, and uh, the, the book will come up. But it was it was very well written, and this book is a self published book. And uh, the, the author, this uh, Mister Manor, because we don't know his first name, uh, he's written quite a few books. I mean, and and I I'm just very surprised that he went to self publishing route. Usually that happens when publishers turn it down, and I can't see. Any publishers turning the story down. Yeah. I mean, it was just that good. Anyway, I, I, I get the book. I download the book as an e-book. And, and I'm reading it. And in any memoir, you'll always have about in the middle of the book, you'll have pictures of the, uh, of, you know, the person who the book is about and people that he makes reference to in the book. And I just opened it up. And what's the first picture I see? AJ with Gianni Russo. <laughs> <laughs> because he made your clothes or, or something. Yeah, he made a well, he made a lot of clothes for me prior to the Godfather. Now this is all you know before the Godfather. Yeah, and you know uh, I don't want to spin forward, but we had mutual friends in 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 um, 
Kansas City. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, we got a friend in Vegas. You should meet him. And that's when I was just very flamboyant and had my townhouse and in my 20s and driving Ferraris and Bentleys because I was making a lot of money. So how did you meet him? But, well, I'm telling you, the Savella, the crime family out of Kansas City, the Savellas, yeah. told me about him, that he's going to come. And, you know, he they told me nothing else about him, but he's a tailor. And uh, he's and any help you can give him would be, be doing him a favor would be doing us a favor. And I knew, you know, Nick Savella and, and Corky and them. And they ran, and I knew them. You know, I met them while I was on my tour promoting JFK for presidency in 59 before he got the nomination in July of uh, 60 to become the Democratic presidential. You know, and, and, and AJ uh, uh, wasn't doing anything other, you know, for the Savellas, for example, or the, or the other mobsters that he was making clothes for. That's all he was doing, was making clothes. He wasn't involved yeah. in any kind of criminality. But no. these, uh, Nick Savella particularly, was a big fan of A.J. Pratt. And yeah. He loved clothes. He, he started to put the word out. A.J. opens up a, a business in Vegas called uh, A.J.'s Hong Kong Tailor. And it, people are wondering why. Uh, back in the day, in fact, when I was in Vietnam, uh, when we went on uh, R&R, wherever you went, you know, you go to, go to Hong Kong, Thailand, wherever you went, there was always a, 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 a tailor there that had Hong Kong in the name. Because the Hong Kong tailors well, had a very it was good marketing, yeah. Because they, 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 they had they, very good marketing and they had a reputation of making good men's clothing for a good price. That's so it. he decided that was to the make, idea. Yeah, he decided to name his business uh, AJ's Hong Kong Tailors, and he became successful, right, Johnny and Vegas? Oh my God, huge! Well, I well I I, I introduced him to. Uh, Dr. Elias Ghanem, a lot of legitimate people. I mean, they were they were legitimate in their own way. But if you did the history answer, Dr. Feelgood was his name. Oh. That, that's a little clue. And uh, and it wasn't soon after that that he met Elvis, started making clothes for Elvis. He started making clothes for every major star. And the when you think boys. about Yeah, Sorry. I mean. Yeah, you know, we've all seen uh, uh, Elvis in these flamboyant jumpsuits with the sequins sewn. That was A.J. Pratt. That, that was his clothes. And Elvis loved loved the clothes. So there's uh, something that I learned. I mean, what do I know about tailoring? Uh, but to, to make a suit of clothes for the average man is it takes about two and a half yards of material. Anywhere from, say, two and a half to four and a half, depending on your size. Right. Elvis was that size at the beginning. And AJ made his clothes throughout his career in Vegas. And toward the end of Elvis's life, he put on a couple of pounds. Oh my and God. Yeah, to put this in perspective, AJ needed nine and a half yards of material to make Elvis's jumpsuits at the end from two and a half yards when they began. Now it's nine and a half yards to fit them. Yeah. And it's something I didn't know. He put, uh, Elvis uh, at his heaviest was 325 pounds. Right, no, it's crazy. I didn't realize he was that big. Oh, he was huge. Well, he sat ringside. You, you knew it when you were. We were at every show. I, I, we, I went to Elvis's every show. I mean, Kirk Corn was a good friend of mine. When he opened the International Hotel, he had Streisand for two weeks, and she blew it out. And 
Then they had Elvis for two weeks. And that's doing two shows a night, seven nights a week. So that's what he did in two weeks. They no, did. Wait, rather than lose weight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and and another thing Kurt did, he most of the showrooms never sat more than four or 500 people. That was big. Like the Copa room with Sinatra and Sammy and all them. That that's had the most was three twenty five. That's what they were used to. This showroom was fifteen hundred people with a balcony, and they filled it. Yeah, they said they were bringing extra tables in and had them right up next to the stage. Oh yeah, no, I mean they, 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 they first when they first did it, they spread everything out, gave more room, but they never thought they'd sell it out, and they did. I mean. And Elvis was bigger than life at that time. My God, it was amazing. Well, Elvis, uh, Elvis uh, got acquainted with AJ because uh, AJ was making scarves at the time, uh, well, in addition to his clothes. But uh, uh, Elvis didn't start with AJ uh, making uh, making his jumpsuits and everything. Elvis wanted his scarves, and he would buy uh, huge quantities to, to give away uh, 50, 75, 100 scarves. There came a point where AJ's AJ couldn't ma manipulate his sewing machine anymore. His hands were swollen just making these scarves. And well, he you know how that happened, though? I, I was sitting across the table from AJ. How that happened, he was sweating so much, and he was used to ladies giving them their scarf. So AJ handed them one of his scarves and was so soft because AJ had all these wonderful scarves. And what you're talking about, then he gave Elvis the idea of putting your monogram on them and give them out. That's how that all started. That was AJ. So right. he would throw he them out to the audience? Those. He embroidered those by hand. And he said it took just as much time to in, uh, tape up his bloody fingers as it did to do the sewing. And Elvis had asked for 500 but by then, he said, all I ended up giving him, I think the number was 257 of them. Hand embroidered. He had to stop because, because the material was so soft. And he said his hands never. Had the hand yeah. him. Right. He said his hands never fully recovered from that, that it was so. Yeah, for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and but, a big deal because every all those women were clamoring for those for sure. Well, it became a he big deal. He would throw them out to the scarves. audience, right, Johnny? Yeah. This, what was that? He would throw the scarves out to the audience. Oh, yeah. No, that became a big calling card. These women yeah. would go crazy. Well, and, they said the first thing was a woman had handed him a napkin from the international right. uh, thing and, and then was it like, was get like that back. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. another lady handed him the scarf another, uh, maybe later that night, and it just blew out, out like crazy. And then you never saw him without him. And people were crazy for him. So I would I think, think that. Uh, let me just interject the one thing that, because I didn't think we touched on it light uh, enough. AJ, as you said, was sitting in the audience and we went backstage and he did a sketch on the back of the menu of Elvis in a jumpsuit with a cape. That's right. And that's how he changed Elvis's look. Elvis never wore. He wore tuxedos with glitter and all that on it. But AJ created Elvis and became his trademark. Well, those jumpsuits yep. with capes, 
But that That's was the exactly. In the book, it shows uh, an invoice of him uh, that he had sent the bill to uh, what's Elvis Press? What's Vernon Preston Presley? Good lord. Right. Um, and it shows the bill, which back then, oh, I just had it pulled up. It was amazing that even on this invoice, it said seven scarves. So that's what he started out with. But boy, it got bigger. But these these uh, jumpsuits, one was $2,300, one was uh, $2,050, and it just went on and on, you know, at the bigger he got. But those those were prices in 1973 so yeah. 2300 for one of those uh, i mean i'd be interested to see if one went up for auction how much those go for now they, because they've they been sold for over a million dollars yeah i can imagine but they were all sequins i know all the hand sewn that's one thing aj was meticulous about doing what he was doing and again bringing up his background in design and all that was from Arkansas and his grandmother's sewing machine. It's, it's you know, great. something I thought was so cool that he did, he said, you know, his signature mark was the four buttons on the sleeve and all the different things. He used up every piece of material that you possibly could. You could just see as a young kid, he knew the the value of the money, you know, and how to make all that stuff stretch. But his his style was all his own and and the four buttons on the sleeve I thought boy it's it's funny now that you look back and I looked through some of the pictures and thought boy he was he had some snazzy clothes oh, you know time, my God, yeah it was cool. I, I mean we didn't mention the guy is six foot four we're talking about oh <laughs> wow he is must have looked big in that Corvette didn't, didn't you know that it was he was six foot four yeah Wow. And a mop and a mop ahead made him look like he was seven foot. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, there's a uh, those of uh, our uh, listeners who are interested. There's a video clip of uh, AJ. It goes for about three or four minutes. He's uh, sitting in a room by himself, talking to to somebody who's questioning him. And that's the only video clip I believe that exists because it took me a while to find it, but it's out there. If you if you want to see at the this was at the end of his uh, of his life. Uh, and he was still flamboyant, the hair, and he had this hairline mustache. Uh, and uh, he, he was he was just, he he liked to shock with his clothes. Yeah. Except when it didn't call for it. Like with the wise guys, for example, we weren't going to wear sequin suits, obviously. No, but see, he was smart enough to do that too and adjust. But, you know, uh, what's fresh in my mind is that the, the wise guys, he had to learn how to even... The protocol with them as far as respect because he did a, a, a set of suits for a father and son and he made the mistake of delivering the son's suits before the father oh uh, yeah and when he came to the father the father just said throw them over there and it anyway, he was a very sensitive guy aj but he didn't know protocol with the mob the father gets to close before the son. <laughs> Little things like this. I mean, I yeah, know yeah, you have to know what you're doing. But anyway, he was so popular and everybody loved him. But that didn't last very long. But uh, his family, you know, long about the time he started dressing uh, Elvis and some other celebrities, he, he started to get a name. And the family, who basically shunned him, uh, now embraced him. 
uh, because now he's famous. He's making a lot of money. And uh, I don't think he, you know, reading between the lines there, I, I don't think he was too happy with that. You know, you, you should. Well, he, again, that's another comparison that we made today. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened with my family. You know, they didn't come and visit me, and later on I got famous, and now they all want to come and visit me. I said, no. <laughs> you, know, you ain't going to use me. Where were you when I needed you? Exactly. But, well, you know, funny. like him, though, both of us would, wouldn't have been where we are if we had our family support and not the support of the people like he had John Hughes and I had Frank Costello. It's That, that was the, our life's changers. Yeah, exactly. that's, as, as I was reading this, and, and a lot of things that we have in your book, I can't say that they're repeated in his, but this it's it's from a different perspective. Right. And, you know, you, you, all, all your stories, not that you needed vindication, but, you know, they're, they're, they're all there. And uh, 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 Jeannie, who, who else uh, was mentioned in the book as far as celebrities go? Do you recall? Well, Marilyn Monroe was in this book. Clark Gable book well, you know we're missing but i don't know if we want to get into that yet because when he started doing wardrobe he did the wardrobe for the misfits yeah you know how, you know how hard that is and that was edith head's job edith head at that time was the the biggest haberdasher and costume designer in the world yeah she won yeah. academy awards for her design yeah she was and john and john houston got her to bring him on as an assistant and he had to make everything close, you know, he had to bring everything down. There was not wearing sequins, you know. It was, just, it was a you great know the, He was so talented that he thought of things that I, I don't know about everybody else, but just the way he said where he got these clothes. He said, I went to a, a thrift store and and bought Levi's and and did this. And I mean, obviously I've never been in the movies. I don't know how they go about um that, but just he used such a uh his imagination to bring everything together. And I, I really enjoyed listening to this young guy who learned these things as a kid, you know, how to make this stuff work. And he used it throughout his life. He was so brilliant. And I know even with the mob guys and, and with Elvis, they'd say he was saying the way he cut the fabric and he made the suits, um, he'd make the arm, arm, where the arms were a little higher to make the men look a little taller and, the arm and yeah. no, he had all he had all the right things. It was crazy. Yeah, all one of his one of his regrets was that he uh, never got the name recognition for his designs that uh, that other people did. Ralph Lauren. He, there's a whole bunch of people that were named in the book because uh, he, he didn't travel in the right circles. He was in Vegas. Yeah, and, and that was a thing. Yeah, you had to be in uh, on the East Coast, basically, if you were in fashion design. But uh, he, he he was a little bitter about that. But I mean, he got over it. <laughs> he, he was doing he was doing extremely well. <laughs> well, the it's big mistake, the yeah. big mistake that the mob did, they you know, the Midwest guys, they invested in him and opened maybe 30, 30 stores. They wanted to make his name bigger, like like you just pointed out, Ralph Lauren or somebody like that. Yeah, but. The problem they didn't realize, without AJ sewing it and out AJ selling it, there was an interesting. Close, he, yeah. he wasn't a rat clothes guy. He, yeah. he was so so personal, and that's how he got there. They couldn't clone him. 
And then they got mad at him because they put all this money in. And they said, well, you're not in the shop here. You're not. In the shop. How could he be all these places? Yeah, being 30 places at once. Yeah. So uh, let's let's back up just a little bit. Um, the uncle, it was, was it Linda Lou's uncle? Yeah, Uncle Howard. Harden. Yeah. Uncle, was it Harry Harden? Elvis seemed to know him. He used he was around from somewhere. Do you know who that was, Gianni? Yeah, he was a, he was a comedian opening act for people in Vegas. That's okay. how Howard yeah. Harden. Oh, Howard. Yeah. Howard. yeah. No, he was a, a, a B class, you know, opening oh. act. And he they used to say that he warms up the audience. <laughs> and you know, it's in, that's how he got to know so many people because a lot of people knew him. And that's right. uh, yeah, so that's uh and, and it was well, Lou's uncle, actually. Right. You know, talking about Uncle Howard, uh, at this point in AJ's life, he was doing very well. And if he would have stayed doing what he was doing, uh, the next phase of his life wouldn't have been that. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't have been the next phase of his life. He would have stayed tailoring clothes and designing clothes. But Uncle Howard uh, sort of introduced him to the drug world and uh and AJ was great at what he did with clothes, and he was also great at what he did with cocaine. And we're going to get into that in part two. Yeah. So stay tuned. And thank you all. We're going to... Well, we're, we're, we're ending the show, actually, but with a hook that you have to come back. You will not believe where this is going. Mm. We're going to involve very heavily involved was another guy that I had parallels with Pablo Escobar, the names that are going to be in this and the women that are involved are very well known also because I had something to do with Marilyn to find out he had something to do with Marilyn. It was like insane. That's why this, this book, as we say, you know, it's called the Taylor. It's a black and white cover. Taylor's written on it. And, Pat caught on to it. I didn't even notice it until he brought it to my attention. There was a line of Coke at the end of the T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end of the T, there's a rail of Coke that goes down to the end of the book. Very well-designed cover, I thought. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. God. That's hilarious. Okay. Right. Yeah. I hope everyone comes back because, man, what a great book. And Sal uh, Manna, is that, was that the last Sal Manna, that's yeah, him. Sal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So everybody go out and get this book. If uh, I know I keep telling so much of it, but it was fantastic and has such great stories. So buy the All book, right. and come back next week. Until next week, be careful and God bless. And now the end is near. It's time to face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, to which I am certain, I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this. I did it my way Regrets I've had a few But then again Too few to mention 
I did what I had to do and sorrow through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byways. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Oh, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there were doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I did it my way. I've loved, I've left and cried. I've had my share, my fill of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing. Oh no.